Welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, the Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. If you haven't listened yet, Broker to Broker dives into the nitty gritty of the mortgage business by interviewing independent brokers and loan originators just like me. Hope you enjoy the show. Today's episode is sponsored by HomePoint. HomePoint is built for brokers like you. While most mortgage lenders are focused on winning the initial transaction by touting rate and convenience, HomePoint does that and more, taking a holistic long-term approach to its partnership and customer service. They're evolving the mortgage experience by putting people and partnerships first and delivering the customized support you need to grow your business and wow your clients. Find out why there's no place like HomePoint. Become a partner today by emailing us at partnerships at aimgroup.com and MLS 7706. All right, welcome back everyone to another another exciting, going to be exciting episode of our Broker to Broker podcast. You know, I got to give a shout out to, uh, before we get started here, our guy Julian, who keeps producing some great shows and some great guests. And there's uh, there's another great guest coming on today. Really excited about this one. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about referrals, marketing, guidelines, how to stay update, uh, updated on everything. So it's going to be my honor to introduce the EVP of Raleigh Mortgage Group, Mike Elberico. Mike, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it, Mark. I'm excited to be here. Honored to be chosen to be on one of these. One of the chosen ones, huh? No, I'm just kidding. No, it's uh, you know, there's so many great people in this space right now that I'm telling you, you know, including yourself. I'm really excited about today's podcast. Kind of hear what you have to say, because uh, personally, I always get something out of it. But uh, you know, no, really excited about this. Our community is great, and you're you're a perfect example of this. So, all right, Mike, tell me tell me how you got into this business. It's not it's not a business that I don't even, they don't even offer really college scholarships for this or you know college degrees. So tell me how you got into this uh, crazy industry, but the industry that I love. Yep, like most people, I kind of just fell into it. Um, I was in country club management out of college. My I went to UNC Wilmington. My degrees in criminal justice and sociology, so really using that in this industry. Um, for if you know anything about Wilmington, it's in southeastern North Carolina. It's on the beach. It's a great place to live. Um, I was working at a country club while I was in school, and then when I graduated. You know, I was being recruited actually by the U.S. Border Patrol and Coast Guard, but it was not really appealing to a 20 some odd year old kid that could make enough money getting by and, you know, golf every day and <laughs> go out to the beach whenever. So I actually hung out for here after school and just worked at the country club. And then one of the managers approached me and it's like, you'd be great for club management. So that's where my career went for about seven or eight years. And then um, in 2012, my wife and I got married and then we were driving back from Wilmington. We got married there because that's where we met. And we just didn't want, we wanted to start a family. We wanted something with a little bit better hours because, you know, mortgage industry, that's where you go for the normal hours and not being bothered 24 seven, 365. But it was a little bit different because I think what really cemented it for my wife and I was us wishing each other happy new year from a coat closet because she was an event planner at a different country club and we were like we got to make a change so um a family friend of my wife's was he was in sales um he actually worked in uh setting up like office systems and i gave him my resume and it's like i, I need a change and he passed it along to his brother-in-law who owns raleigh mortgage group and owns it still to this day you know, Founded in 2001, went and met with them, said, I have no idea what this, uh, what the experience is. I own a house. It was a confusing process because we went through the builder's lender 
And I actually use that as an experience down the road for working with new construction because there are so many things I would have done differently. We cover that later. And he said, that's fine. I'd rather you have no experience. I just need someone that'll work hard, has good um, intelligence, can talk to customers, et cetera. So I went and passed my test, which was hard because I had no lending experience and came on in November of 2012 and haven't left RMG or the broker world since. Um, and that's how I got into it and gotten other friends into it. My um, longtime college friend were God's uh, godfathers to each other children. He's in it now. He's in a different company, but he worked for RMG. So it, it's very common that people just kind of fall into this industry. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, everyone I speak to, unless you, you come from family, that, that's already in the industry, you're you're falling into it. So no, you're absolutely right. Um, I just love hearing how everyone falls into it. It's always different. But uh, at the end of the day, okay, talk to me about your business here. You know, are you, do you buy leads? Is it, are you mainly referral based? Um, I started off, which was great, um, starting at Raleigh Mortgage Group, um, similar to kind of like Evan Wade's company with Philadelphia Mortgage Brokers. We have been around in Raleigh for a while. And if you search mortgages in Raleigh with the reviews we have, we come to the top of the list. So when I started, like anybody, I had no referrals, um, was doing the normal pound in the pavement. But we were paying at the time for SEO, like Google AdWords. And um, that actually got us quite a few leads a day that we were converting. And one of the very first um, realtors that I got business from, his sister came through on a lead. And this is kind of a crazy story of how you can farm out buying leads isn't bad. Um, we never like bought from a service or anything like that. But what you do with them, you can capitalize and it can literally create six figures of revenue down the road. Like, I, I just bought a new house this year and eight years later, the first realtor that I worked with was the one that represented me on this transaction. So it was back when Freddie's guidelines would allow self-employed people less than five years to do one year of tax returns. If you remember those oh yeah before they changed it so this lady called in she had just started a business because she was a stay-at-home mom didn't want to go back to work her husband was a security officer at a nuclear power plant so his income wasn't enough for what they wanted to do they were turned down by two other lenders i'm green i'm sitting in brian's office training and he's like yeah take the app run lp and see if it says one year so it did and we sent it to we were partnered with the local bank they um, said, yeah, that'll work. And so she called back. It's like, Hey, we're kind of skeptical because we've been turned down twice. Do you care if we come in and meet? It's like, okay, perfect. And she brought her brother who was their agent. And then we sat down and met with him. It's like, yeah, we can do this. And then he's like, okay, um, let me know what you need. And he's, we've been working together for eight years now. So that's oh, just wow. one example that I always go to where it's not just a lead. What, what are you doing with it? Um, you know, I don't go to closings anymore. One COVID kind of gave me an excuse not to go Two, I unfortunately don't have time anymore, but all those leads that would close, we would go to the closings and that's a way to meet both agents. It's old school. Not a lot of originators do it. I was shocked when most of the attorneys that I would be sent down with 
like, oh, they never show up. And I'm, you know, unfortunately, now I'm one of those people that doesn't show up anymore. Unless if it's a newer agent I'm working with, I'll make the effort. My seasoned ones know that they can just call me from the table if there is a question. So it's taken those just those Google leads and it expanded our business from just literally 80% of my business was leads. Now I'm I flip flop where I'd say 80% referral. Okay. So your referrals are basically just coming from, would you say it's mainly past clients? How, how would you, how would you do that breakdown? Um, I would say a, a lot of past. So I have a handful of my go-to agents that that's where I'd say 50% of the business comes from now. And a lot of those relationships been farming for five, six years now. Um, then I would say another 25% comes from repeat business or um, past clients referring their friends and family. And we still get a good chunk of, you know, people just calling in the office and want a second opinion or this person's not gotten back to me, which is pretty common right now. And just setting proper expectations to where even if we're just right in line, but the other people are taking a week to get back to them and say, hey, I'll get back to you. I need two days and set expectations. It's easy to win that business. Easy is probably not the best word, but it's easier to compete with someone that's not being responsive. And so that's where a lot of um, the other referrals are coming from, because especially last year in 2020 with, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of crap going on in our country with people losing their jobs. Um, it was just a tough times. You know, we were one of the few industries to actually flourish during a pandemic and we we're working 24 hours a day. It was crazy how much business that my team at RMG won just by setting expectations to where, oh, rates are in the twos. I called this other broker down the street. I haven't heard from them in five days. Well, they're probably busy, but if you just tell them, hey, this is where we're at, I'll get back to you. It's easy to win that business. And that's how you get more referrals is like, shout out to Todd Bitter, answer the damn phone. Let set proper expectations for people. No, that's great. Yeah, no, I mean, just, you know, the more that comes of all of this and these podcasts and this community, it's like sometimes just being simple and setting your proper expectations. As I always like to tell people, my 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 office is, you know, under promise and over deliver. I think we should just need to live by. Exactly. And besides, um, on top of that, and besides, on top of under promise, over deliver is just shoot everybody straight. I mean, there was a time earlier this year when we're going through some growing pains here of having to hire more people and we were switching more to a purchase business to where one of my strongest referral partners i i swear he was gonna fire me because we had a couple of rocky closings a couple got pushed out not necessarily was our fault but we're the last ones holding the bag you know it might have been a delayed inspection or usda took a minute Regardless, it doesn't matter. I, I just called him up and it's like, hey man, this is where we're at. I'm fixing it. Don't don't go running off now. I, I understand I'm not delivering my normal level of service, but he, he expressed what needed to be changed. I actually took that, changed it, and made it better for all my referral partners. And he told me straight up because I, there's other lenders that I run into, customers come with them. You shoot me straight, you're honest, and you'll 
set proper expectations. And it seems so simple, but not enough people do it. I, I right. it blows my mind that it's simple. Yeah, no. Okay, so is there anything else? I no, I agree with you 100%. Is there anything else you do like during the process to, that that helps you push these people to give you referrals? Is there any like special tricks, anything that you do or are you just just basically, hey, this is who I am, a man of my word, I'll get it done and at the end of the day that's what it is. That's the main part of it is um you know, a lot of people I I get you have to have the work life balance or protective of their free time and that's one of my biggest struggles and I've been getting better at making home for, you know, dinner with family, actually not working all weekend is myself's on everything. And if I don't answer, people will text me. Like if I, if I'm doing something with the family or on the other line and that just goes a long way of when people refer me out, it's like, Hey, if, if you need them, he'll respond. And then I'll during the process, if someone gives like, oh, this is going great, I'll just casually be like, well, hey, let me know who else needs our assistance right now and build up the realtor throughout the process and everything like that. And um, that that's the biggest thing. And because the realtor goes to the closings and it, it becomes a team effort. And that's really about it. It's not super direct like some people and it, it works for them. It's not a bad thing. They're like, hey, at closing, the write down three names of someone I can call. That's just not my style where I won't do that, but we'll have our CRM and do drip campaigns and stuff like that. And just stay in front of them as you know, as president aim, the home bot pays for itself. I'm not getting paid to say that, but that helps a lot of referrals because people get that cool report. They can reach out to you instantly. And then they'll say, Hey, my neighbor was asking about this because they're looking at refinancing or maybe improving, just doing a renovation, whatever. And I've had people show them the home bot report, like, Hey, here's where I think our value's at. And then they'll call me up. So it, it's a combination of things, but not being super sales forward. Like, Hey, you got to send me three people that works for some people. It, it's just not my style. And it's, seem to have worked for a lot of the years. <laughs> yeah. You seem to be doing just fine with it. No, that's right. No, but, and I, and I, and you know, and I echo once again, I'm not getting paid to say this, but HomeBot, man, that's, that's a game changer right there. It, it, it truly is. I, I wish I invented it. That anybody that doesn't use it is it pays for itself. It really does. Over and over. Yeah. yeah. So, but no, that's, you know, one of the things I've always said too, is the thing that separated, you know, like the big banks and the mega retail lenders from brokers for the longest time was, you know, technology and resources and HomeBot's a perfect example of how we've connected that, you know what I mean? To the community and it's, it's killing it. So super happy about that. All right. So what a, I want to hear how you feel about this. So you get a referral. How do, how do you let them know that, Hey, I'm pretty damn good at what I do. I'm an expert here. We changed our email signatures. One of the ones that we used to use, and I'm thinking about switching back or adding the link, is we would put a link to our uh, Google reviews on there, which is up. It's up to a few hundred now. I'm not sure if we're over 300 just as a company. That helped um, just length of time at the, at the current company and in the industry. I always ask um, what their preferred method of communication is. And 
surprisingly, most people are phone, even those under the age of 30. I, you know, you'd think most of them want to text or email. I'm starting to learn when I'm, I'm only 36, so I still consider myself a young man, just commenting on the uh, email and preferred uh, method of communication as I'm working with past clients' kids that are in their 20s. And a few of them have said, oh, they never check email. You got to text them. So I was like, okay. So I text a lot of people, but I always try and initially set up a phone call and don't sell them on why they should use a broker unless they ask and just go over the whole process, put them at ease. You know, you spend 15 minutes all it takes on the phone to build a rapport. You can show them they're an expert without telling them you're an expert. You can, a lot of first time home buyers, Oh, what's the max I can afford? Well, let's back up. What do you want yeah. your payment to be? What do you want your out of pocket to be? What's your income? So I can see if any of these programs that give you lower mortgage insurance or lower rates are available. Let's back up and have the conversation. And just that alone of making them ask the right questions gives them confidence in who they're working with. Because a lot of people didn't, oh, I never realized that I shouldn't be focused on my sales price. I should be focused on my monthly payment out of pocket and what checks the boxes off of a home. And a lot of times the realtors I work with will send them to me first to build that up. Then they'll do their MLS search based off the phone call. The people will call back like, all right, hey, I spoke to Mike. We need, I want my payment to be $1,800 a month. It fits this price range. And then they'll discuss, all right, what area of North Carolina you want to be in? And they build it that way. And it just puts them at ease and shows that we know what we're doing rather than just here. We offer 2875. You can afford up to 500K. Happy hunting. <laughs> exactly. When people call me and say, hey, how much can I afford? I go, wrong question. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> wrong question. I mean, there was, I was out of the office at an appointment and I, missed the call. I forgot to text the guy back and he's like, Oh, I was in a hurry. I, I called rocket and got pre-approved. Why should I work with you? I was like, well, the easy answer is I'm going to be a lot more competitive than that, but let, let's talk about your budget, what you want your payments to be, et cetera. I said, what did rocket go over? Oh, they said the rate was three, three and that I was approved to this. I said, is that it? Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's go into more detail. What's your goal here? You have the ability to put 20% down. Do you want to do that? Do you want to save some money as a emergency reserve? Do you want to do, you might want to do a renovations to the property. You haven't found it yet. Who knows? Let, let's look at all the different options. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Um, where do I fill out the app? I'll go with you. It's just, I, I mean, I get it. They advertise, but that's the big difference that a lot of um, the people that refer us out being us brokers in general, are you give that level of service and you do it cheaper. It's like going to the local small business over the big box store, but yet you pay less and get better service. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It, it, then, then it just becomes a transaction and not a relationship, you know, and I think that's the big thing that separates yeah. us too. And, but in, and then you also just hit the nail on the head right there of, this is how I show them an expert. I ask them questions, you know, I mean, not just, Hey, this is what you're approved at. And a lot of people do research and there's lots of great tools online, but, um, it's just so much information comes at them online, almost like WebMD. you know, you got a cough, you got cancer. <laughs> That's not the case. Um, where they'll 
a lot of people call, oh, I want FHA because it's three and a half percent down. Well, your debt to income ratio is 30 percent. Your FICO is 800. Why, why do you want FHA? Did you have um, a bankruptcy or something like that? I, I wouldn't think so based off that credit score. No, I was just online. That's the lowest down payment for a first time buyer. Well, no, let's look at home one with Freddie Mac where your MI will be lower and stuff like that is a lot of um, brokers and lenders in general don't ask the right questions of why are you looking for that rather than, you know, some people, I want FHA. Okay, here's your FHA pre-approval letter. Is that the best option for the client? Right. Nothing against FHA, but it there's different programs for different folks. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I always explain to my clients and, and consumers. It's just, hey, I, we have a lot of resources for you. Let's figure out what's best for you. It might not just be the FHA. It might not just be 30 year. It might be something else. So, no, that's that's awesome. All right. So this is what I want you to do. That was a lot of great stuff right there of, of your referral base and how you work your clients and whatnot um, and how you're you're the expert in your area. So what I want you to do now is walk me through your your marketing. I know you 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 brought it up, but you talked about your reputation, which I assume you probably use through reviews. So if you can touch base on that. Yeah, so we started um, soliciting, that's a proper word for our past clients. I actually just went over with my loan partner as our ops manager at the end of each month, we'll send a list of everybody that's closed to each loan officer. We have three here. so smaller shop but we're doing a fair amount of business and we select who we want to um send review requests to we don't incentivize anybody which i think is you can like here fill out this review and get a gift card that's just we don't it's just something we never have done nor want to do but um we kept tweaking our email to the point where i actually shared it with a broker in florida um, who has a lot of systems in place and he loved it so much. He wrote us a review and it's like, I'm going to use this. The reason we tweaked it is one of the very first, um, people that we contacted there, it was a refi. It flew straight through no issues whatsoever. She gave us a four-star review. So we followed up, said, what could have we done to earn five? I don't give five-star reviews. I just don't. Okay. So let's, we changed the email and it says, Hey, so-and-so you worked with Mike Raleigh mortgage group and they asked for any referrals. And it says, will you please, if he think he earned it, I should probably pull it up so I can speak a little more intelligently, write a five-star review on our Google page. And then we took the bit.ly link to shorten one and drop it in there. So they don't have to hunt for it. They just take it right there and then they can go write the review. And so we do that monthly and that helps with our, between that and the blog that our ops uh, manager does, keeps us at the top of organic searches to the point where we're not paying for AdWords anymore. But you know, we start doing that and it's once a month of pounding the pavement for reviews. And then other parts of marketing, I've been kind of slack on it this year, but we use social media a ton. Um, between business pages and my personal page. Uh, one of my goals was to do a video once a week. I've been horribly slack on that this <laughs> year, but it's just, you talking about showing yourself as an expert is not, you got to pick the right um, topic to talk about. Last year, it was easy. 
I mean, as many changes as we had in our industry, or I used to joke around, like just put our guidelines on a whiteboard so that Fannie and Freddie and all of our lending partners can change them right. every other week. It was easy to talk about stuff. It was, you know, the VOE process. I did a video in a private group and tagged all my lenders in. It's like, hey, even if you're not working with me, here's the VOE process. Prepare yourself ahead of time. Um, one of the posts I did a couple years ago is Chase Bank does not have a big footprint in North Carolina, um, but a lot of people are relocating from the Northeast out West where Chase is a big bank or they have branches everywhere. Nobody ever covered that. Chase had a rule that you can only wire so much funds not being there. So it only took one client of ours, me and uh, one of my normal realtors, to have to drive from Raleigh to Richmond, which is like four hours, to go wire money so that he could close because he worked with Chase and Chase wouldn't let him wire $30,000. That was another thing that we would talk about. And it's not marketing yourself saying, I offer the lowest rates, quickest turn times, most appraisal waivers saying, okay, this brings value. And then if you have anything that maybe a realtor or customer isn't liking what they hear from an in-house lender or their bank, you stay on top of mind with them is, okay, this guy seems to be putting out a lot of stuff whether it's in private groups, public groups, et cetera, let's just at least go get an opinion from him. No, I love that. Yeah, just put yourself out there a little bit. Speak as just experience out there. And yeah, no, people, you're right. Once people start to see you all the time, they're going to, yeah, they're going to at least want an opinion from you. Yeah, people don't want to be sold. They want to be helped. And that's where I think a lot of misconception comes in with the newer originators is, I, I mean, I was the same way, like, oh, our, rates are the best we can do this that quickly yet people care about rate and cost to a certain extent they want stress-free and someone that knows what the heck they're talking about love that i absolutely love that they don't want to be sold they want to be helped that's awesome um okay so you use obviously reviews social media anything else that you guys do um a lot of times i mean it, networking events they that's old school but they used to work i mean i wouldn't go to nothing against like chamber of commerce events where it's just a bunch of people all in similar industries bouncing around but you know reach out to your um local realtor um almost like whatever their version of aim is in the area like ours is called rar raleigh regional association of realtors we we sponsored a couple of events for them, you know, you buy lunch, you get a table outside and it's mainly, it's hard to gauge the ROI on that, but I know it, the one of the ones we did a couple of years ago, um, our coworker was talking and um, this producing realtor, she was there for the event. Um, our LO was talking to her and said, hey, my guy just retired. I'm doing like three or four deals a month. I need a new one. Um, he was a broker, you're a broker. I mean, he was just a one man shop and shut down. And sure enough, he picked up the business. That's not gonna happen every time, but it gets you out there. And then, you know, see what your realtors want. I, um, you know, it was tough for me and I'll just call them out to do a lot of events with Keller Williams, just because they have, they had marketing agreements with movement. They have their own mortgage company 
But when you build a relationship with an individual agent, you become their go-to. And he started a young professionals um, networking group in our area. I sponsored that with them. It wasn't a lot, but you could go explain. You, if you sponsor an event, you can go explain what you do. And then just, we did it at um, Drive Shack, which is like Top Golf. And then you go have some fun. Those go a long way. I mean, you, you make it a deal out of it, you make it a realer out of it, you never know, but it just, you gotta cast a wide net and see where, where it goes. And then uh, one of the biggest things, and this just keeps you in good graces with your realtor partners and you can still get referrals out of it, is do um, client appreciation events with your realtors. I you agree. can split the cost. Um, it's RESPA compliant if you don't do more than 50%. Um, now that we're getting back to normal times, we're uh, in central North Carolina and Durham is in the Research Triangle Park area, the triangle is what it's called here. And everybody's probably heard of the movie, The Durham Bowls. We do a baseball game. We get a section, it's AAA baseball. It's cheap, it's family oriented. We do that once a year. One of my other agents is a uh, NC State alumni. And he actually worked with a lot of the people in the athletic department. So all these guys that went to school on scholarship that um, come out that aren't going into professional athletes, but they have a free education and a good degree and stay in the area because they like it. Those are good referrals. So what do we do? We host a NC State football game tailgate event once a year. It, it, it's cheap. You, we don't, we're not buying tickets to the game. We buy a couple of parking spots cater it, bring beverages, the title company will sometimes sponsor it with us, but it just keeps us out there. And sure enough, just about every time I've done one of these, I've had someone that maybe I've helped in the past, like, hey, maybe I should look at refining, or I went home, my neighbor's looking to move, this, that, and the other. If those events don't pay for, your, for themselves, then you're not doing it correctly. But those are the biggest things. And then final thing that we used to do a lot. I need to get back into it now that we're getting back to normal times. Um, breakfast and learns or lunch and learns. Mm -hmm. Those don't go in to a realtor office and talk about what you do. You're going to lose them right away. They don't care. They are getting bombarded by lenders all the time. I got the quickest turn times, lowest rates. Reach out to the agents. Ask them, what do you guys want to learn? I'm going to come in. I'll help sponsor this, bring some food. I'm going to do my elevator speech, but I want to know what you guys want to learn. I've had appraisers come in. That that was huge. Where How many realtors want to talk one-on-one -on -one with an appraiser off the record to know how to, what to look for when they're doing a listing? What to um, know when they're pulling comps? And then if... You got to bring the right people in and just engage them. Like the one appraiser is a friend of mine and the best thing he ever that was memorable to this day was the realtors still joke about it. One of them asked a question, what happens when the home doesn't appraise? He said, there's no such thing as a home not appraising. All of them appraise. They just don't appraise for what you want them to. <laughs> now let's go into that. And then he went down like how our grid page works. Super helpful not selling them on mortgages, stuff like that. I've done it with appraisers, um, CPAs that specialize in um, people that own real estate and realtors so that they know how to utilize the tax code 
uh, who, what else have I done? There's a number of topics that agents can find useful, home inspectors, et cetera. It's just offer them something that'll help them that's not just you up there talking about mortgages, unless they ask for it. A lot of these teams might have younger agents that they just brought on and might want a uh, little crash course and the basics of conventional FHA, VA, et cetera. Just throw it out there and say, we want to offer you a service. And then if I can do my 10 second elevator speech and hand out cards, it'll end up working out for you in the long run. That's perfect. Absolutely love that stuff. All of it. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> It's all good stuff. And you're right. A lot of things you said, you know, in there I've done before, but I need to get back to, you're right. You know, things are, things coming back to normal times and, you know, it, it's just kind of, as I like to say, you just, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, you know what I mean? And you're just putting yourself out there all the time. I absolutely love that. Good for you. Yeah. Um, and it's easy to get into the, the biggest challenge for me is with a steady stream of business is it's easy to get into cruise control and forget what, what you did in the past to stay on that level of business. And that that's honestly my biggest struggle right now is, is continuing to do that stuff. That's the biggest disciplinary thing that I lack in. And whether it's finding someone in your office that's accountable, a spouse, et cetera, let, find that to maintain doing that and staff yourself up to um, be able to take tasks off you so that you can go out and do those. Yep. Don't be afraid to delegate. You got to let, we all, we all are control freaks. <laughs> we got to learn how to let go sometimes. So, all right. So last, one of the last topics I want to go over is I, I know, you know, guidelines pretty well and whatnot. And uh, you're, you're with vetted VA as well, correct? Correct. What great group. First off, that's a, that's a phenomenal group right there, but how do you stay, especially with being VA, USDA, conventional FHA, these guidelines are changing all the time. And even as you said, you know, during COVID, they changed drastically, pretty fast, uh, pretty much overnight. How do you stay on top of this? Well, one thing, and it's not probably the healthy, healthiest thing in the world, I eat lunch at my desk, which I'll go through. And, um, you know, if I'm on squad duty with vetted VA, I'll go through and monitor posts or just see what's going on there. But a lot of times I'll flag all the emails that come through from lenders and I'll, I'll pass along key tips to my coworkers and everything. But a lot of people just, I, I get, we get bombarded hundreds on top of hundreds of emails a day. Read the ones that come through from like UWM, Homepoint, Flagstar, whoever your go-tos are in this industry. If it says bulletin, yeah, I, I get it. There's some that's, oh, disaster tracks. It's not my state. Delete. Just browse through the email and see what's up. Like my, uh, one of my coworkers then realized that Flagstar brought 100% VA cash out back. Well, it was in that bulletin. Nobody really uh, paid attention to it. I mean, the rates weren't the most competitive, but just little things like that. It, it sounds simple, but just read those that come out. And the biggest thing watch um i mean i'm i'm biased majority of my business goes to united watch three points watch the weekly fast break yes there's a lots of matt's always selling why you should use uwm but he also covers a lot of stuff in there and you don't just get partner points now to watch it 
it helps. Like that's honestly sign up for, um, any type of, I forget some of the companies that are, um, compliance and guidelines, they'll send out a newsletter that's free. It's just keep an eye on what's changing in the market. And a lot of originators read your findings. You can see a lot of stuff that changes if you just even skim the findings. Yeah. Um, you know, well, now we need this reserve, et cetera. And then VA guides, that was all part of the vetted testing. I don't think we need to create conventional and FHA testing the way that Chris and Nathan created vetted VA testing because that, that was uh, challenging, but if I can definitely navigate the heck out of the VA handbook now. <laughs> and a, a lot of it, and to kind of tack onto that, a lot of it is you got to throw out I've been doing this for so long. I know the guidelines. Well, we were starting to see, and I'm not going to comment on stats, just talking about vetted VA is I swear the, um, realtors that were going through the testing had a better pass rate than the seasoned loan officers. Cause the realtors would just go to the handbook and say, all right, here's what I need. Here it is. The loan officers like you and I have been doing this forever. Oh, we know that that's, this is it. No, nah, wrong. I failed it a couple of times. So I was sitting there one Sunday and texted Christopher Griffin and Nathan who run it. It's like, you guys got to be kidding me. And Chris being the way he is, you want me to take the test for you, Mike? Stop overthinking it and just pull the guideline. So got it. That sounds that's like the same way is, you know, <laughs> conventional. They made the Fannie and Freddie selling guide a heck of a lot easier to navigate. Bookmark that. If you have any questions on something like with self-employed, whatever, just search it. You can look up what it takes for a limited condo re review by typing one sentence in the Fannie Mae selling guide. Utilize those tools. They're a hell of a lot easier to use than as little as six, seven years ago. Right, right. It's six, not seven all years regs ago. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all regs where it's <laughs> Yeah, six, seven years ago, that was a little, little difficult. But no, no, you're right. We we have a ton of resources that are given to us, you know, and we just got to take 15 minutes out of your day and just read your email pretty much. Look at look at the resources people give us. I really like the idea of of going with, uh, uh, you know, a, a compliance person. They always have newsletters. Just subscribe, subscribe to their newsletter. Yeah, even the some of the um, mortgage insurance companies will send out guideline changes. Easy. You don't even have to, I mean, you can log in. I think you just need an NMLS, but just those and the income calculation sheets, it's simple. Just <laughs> there's all sorts of resources and that's what separates you from someone else. I, I had talking about vetted VA at a veteran come through from Western North Carolina, kind of rural area. I don't know who's working with up there. Said he couldn't buy multiple tracts of land. Well, VA says you can buy if it's adjacent and connected and it appraises. He's like, I went to the group, saw you were in NC, and it's like, yeah, here's the guideline. And that dude could have did the deal. It was a nice loan. It was like a $400,000 house in Western NC. But he's, he's told himself no because he didn't know the guideline. And so I can't do it. So he went and got a second opinion. Wow. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, just knowing those little things sometimes are the, the big difference makers. And knowing what what not to do is a big one 
Like there, there's been, cause I try and educate the partners I work with. There's been times where, Hey, I got a listing. Does this sound right? Like, well, without seeing the total packet, the total picture, no. And then can you cross qualify them? And it's like, yeah, sure enough. I said, yeah, man, he's been 1099 for a year. He's not, unless they're doing something portfolio over at that local bank, he's not going to fly. And the agent asked the, the buyer's agents like, Hey, I had my guy review his info. He says he's not qualified. And they went back to that bank and it's like, Oh yeah, we missed that. Like saving the seller's time, but like Mr. Buyer's agent, who are you um, working with? Who are you utilizing here that could have cost your buyer five grand in due diligence? That's non-refundable in our state. Like stuff like that. It's, you don't want to make the mistake more than being an expert because all it takes is one and you're, you get that reputation. Right. No, you're absolutely right. It's, double check, trip, triple check yourself at all times. You're right. That one bad experience can, can kind of hurt you for a while. Especially right. if you're new. What's that? Especially if you're new. Yeah. I, I can't express that enough to new originators. Make sure that your pre-approvals are solid. That that'll set you apart. There's right. nothing wrong with, being new to the industry, everybody has to start somewhere. What's wrong is being overconfident and just, oh, I got a lead, I got a client, I'm just gonna shoot a pre-approval letter out so he's happy. Well, that crashes and burns and you can kiss that office and realtor goodbye and move on to the next one because you're not coming back from that. <laughs> you're so right on that, <laughs> crash and burn, I love it. All right, so, hey Mike, listen, we got a little bit of time left here. I you know, I love ending this because it's, it's just kind of people's mindset and whatnot, but you have the floor for a couple minutes here. What what bit of advice would you love to give to the community, whether they're new and upcoming, whatever the case may be? What's like? What's the one piece of advice you want to give give to to someone like me? Whew, that, that's a that's a tough one. I really, honestly, don't feel I do a whole lot different than other people that have had success in the industry. Um, it, what, what I've noticed is you can. You can learn this business. You just got to put in the effort. Um, you know, if anybody, it doesn't matter where you come from on what previous career education background, if you're willing to learn, learn the guidelines, like we talked about, put in the work of following up with the client, setting proper expectations, answering the phone, just be the best at what you can do. I know that probably sounds cheesy. Just be the best. And, it, it will all work out in the long run. There's, I'll use this as an example. I work for a smaller company. I've been here nine years. I would be lying if I didn't explore other opportunities or get recruited with other um, companies. Find a good shop that will find that will support you with staff training, et cetera. That's the biggest thing for the new ones. And then take every opportunity and make it just. Do the most you can with it. And the reason I say that is there's been a handful of originators that have come through this company itself. Some have gone on to different companies because there's a better opportunity. Some have unfortunately been let go or resigned because they didn't see success here. Point being is all of us were given the same tools to work with, same leads to work with. Yeah, not every lead's great. We're in a rotation. It happens. 
but you'll you get out what you put into it and that's the biggest thing that a lot of people don't realize is you know it's not easy everybody thinks that real estate in general is easy like the people oh i'm gonna go get my realtor license when do i pick out my lexus and go from there it's same thing with i'm just going to become a licensed loan officer and close four or five loans a month make great money and move on it's you have to go in with the proper mindset and be willing to work. And it sucks. I, I did the 12 hour days, five, six days a week, neglected family time, but not encouraging people to do that, but it's what I had to do to get where I'm at and then build out a team so that I can actually enjoy the fruits of my labor. So I'm talking all over the place, but it's really just putting in the effort. Yeah. No, no, you're not talking over the place because it all goes hand in hand. It, it does. It's like um, if anybody watched um, The Last Dance, I mean, we're in Chapel Hills, tw 20 minutes down the road from where I'm sitting, where Jordan went to school. I forget what the what um, Bush Davis or, or not Bush Davis, what um, Roy Williams said as an assistant when Jordan was there is he what was it? I think he said he never saw an athlete that would be outpracticed or outworked. Yeah, he had natural ability, but he put in more than anybody else. And I think that's just what you can do in any industry. We all got the same amount of time in every day. I mean, you're a prime example. You got a company to run and you still take time to better originators by doing stuff like this. Love it though. <laughs> and that, yeah. that, that's like the one thing I would say, you know, to the community, like if I had to give advice is love what you do. I mean, this is a great it truly it, yeah we get beat up sometimes but what industry doesn't and we get we listen we get everything that we could possibly want within this industry flexibility uh, make good money meet good people what else do you what else do you need yeah that's one of the biggest things is when i was in the hospitality management the more and more i would climb up the, the corporate ladder the more responsibilities i would take on the more hours but yet the the pay would always flatten out the more you put into this the sky's the limit unless you're working at some company that has a commission cap on you, which I don't know any that are. And if you are, sorry, go find a new one or start your own shop. You get what you, you get out what you put in income wise. And there aren't very many industries like that. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Well, Mike, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stop it here. You, you were awesome today. Uh, really, really appreciate your time. Uh, hit on a lot of great points. You know, and I'm telling you, there's there's a lot of the community out there that's going to take take for what you said. So thank you for sharing your insights with us today. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, perfect. So, all right, brokers, if you want to get caught up on all of our past podcast episodes, please head over, please head over to aimgroup.com backslash broker to broker. You can also listen to all of the podcasts wherever you can get podcasts, which is usually iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Do me a favor, subscribe to it. Please rate our podcast and leave a review. It helps us get the podcast out there and spreads the word that brokers are better. So, Mike, once again, thank you. This is a, this is a great episode. I know we're going to get a lot of listeners on this one and uh, keep crushing it. All right. Thanks, Mark. I'll see you in Vegas. Perfect. Love it. All right. Join our Brokers Are Better Facebook group. Be a part of the Brokers Are Better movement by joining the exclusive group for A members and independent mortgage brokers to share best practices, network, and help our community grow. Head over to Facebook and search for Brokers Are Better, select the group and click to join.